Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We're excited to be part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We joined the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network uh, because we're on the same page. We want to serve the church in her mission of making disciples by providing and promoting podcasts that help grow believers and the local church. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Can you do the line, Derek? Can you do because uh, I'm what I, line? Like the, just that first line. Can you just do? I, I've said it so many times. It's intimidating. You're so it good is. at it. Can you get? Can you do the welcome thing? Welcome to the one thing podcast designed to give you one practical, solid tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. I got that wrong. You did, and I think that's why I do it every week. Yeah. So maybe we'll go back to that next yep. episode. Yeah. Well, the one thing's brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you press play on episode number thirty-three, dealing with disappointment. Uh, it's really easy to celebrate big milestones in the Christian life, and you should. Like, there's lots of things in ministry that we want to be excited about, um, and we want to celebrate as a church. Um, and you go into ministry uh, not because you think it'll be easy and everything will go your way, but because there is a bigger picture of seeing people move from death to life. And there are those exciting things of, of seeing people realize and understand the need for Jesus and come to know Him, uh, of seeing, of marrying people as well, of burying faithful, godly, older people, all those things which are, are great joys that you get to be involved in people's life in ministry uh, are there. And yet there is often this other side of the coin as well where it's brutal at points. It just feels like standing and being beaten with a baseball bat <laughs> at points, uh, ministry. And yet, you know, theologically, God is still in control. We know that. Um, but ministry is tough. And so how is it that you um, prepare yourself for that if you can? How is it you think about that um, from a gospel perspective? And then how is it you walk with your family, your wife, your kids, or those around you through that in a way that is God-honoring? That's what we're talking about today. Now, this episode of The One Thing, we've got a special guest, Dave McDonald, or Macca as he's known. Uh, he's a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist who has seen both sides of that coin. Dave, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Now, Dave, you've devoted years to student ministry. You've planted successful churches, uh, and now you uh, have a really important role of supporting other pastors around Australia as the, um, as the National Director of the Fellowship of uh, independent Evangelical Churches, or FIAC, or FIEC. Uh, but you've also experienced many things that we'd call setbacks. I, I can still remember, uh, I can still remember, you know, being in Melbourne with you. Uh, I think you were heading off to sign the papers to pay for the more, you know, pay the mortgage for the house in Darwin, and you're about to plant a church. And then I can remember being with you a week later uh, down in Canberra. You've just been given the diagnosis that you've got lung cancer and you won't be planning a church. Now, can you tell us? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the Geneva Push Conference down in Melbourne. Uh, it was a time of ecstasy for us. We just reached the final support target. Uh, a gift uh, over three years came through, and I remember ringing everybody saying, "We're on. Uh, mm. It's all go." Uh, we'd shipped our belongings up to Darwin. We'd, mm. we'd bought a house. We, we had the kids in school. We had a job for Fiona. We had a group of people coming with us. And it was an exciting time. We we're in the process of saying our goodbyes and garnering support for the future. And then, of course, a week later, I ended up in hospital, uh, not knowing exactly what was ahead, but uh, within days was diagnosed with a serious 
lung cancer. Uh, I was not expected to live beyond a year at that point of time. And we had to make some massive decisions, pretty much to reverse our plans. Physically, that meant relocating everything back to Canberra and uh, trying to regroup uh, in terms of the relationships with people. Uh, some continued to go to Darwin and they found their way into other churches. Uh, some stayed with us uh, in Canberra. Uh, we had a, a ministry trainer who'd shipped all of their belongings up mm. to Darwin, shipped them all back again and uh, picked up a traineeship uh, with Crossroads. So it, it was a time that wasn't just uh, impacting me and our family, but a, a very wide group of people. And in so many ways, it was a time of dashed hopes. Uh, we'd really been looking forward to a fresh start in ministry to take what we'd learned, I guess, over 20 years and apply it to a new situation. We knew it was going to be hard, isolated, difficult climate, a secular society, probably the most secular in our country, uh, very proud of its separation and isolation, uh, the challenges of itinerance, uh, of people living in a frontier kind of rough place. Uh, and of course, the big challenges of Indigenous uh, ministry with so many people moving from the communities into the city of Palmerston. And it, it was it was exciting. It, it presented a challenge that was really uh, charging our batteries. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And you're st- like, I mean, I could, you're still excited about it. There's still yeah. a need for a church in Palmerston. In fact, there's a need for two churches in Palmerston. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, like it's been six years. Yeah. You know, praise God, uh, you're still alive. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, you can look back, and that's helpful. But at the time, how did how did you deal with the disappointment of all that? Uh, look, it came in a flood. It literally did. I went into hospital thinking I wasn't too bad, uh, expecting I'd probably had too much coffee and would be home in an afternoon. But <laughs> every piece of news just made it deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and to be told after a few days that there was no cure, uh, and that the the physical impact, the emotional impact, the uh, the the relational the the spiritual everything just weighed in and I I, I really found myself in a place of, of deep darkness mm. struggling as to whether I believed what I'd been heading off to proclaim like mm-hmm. uh, what I'd always been teaching and and sharing with people about Jesus and what he'd done and his resurrection and the hope for all eternity questioning those very things and I never thought I would be in that place uh, it. I got very down, and and I, I'm so thankful to Fiona, my wife. I'm so mm. thankful to her children and close Christian friends, sticking by me and pointing me to the truth, opening up the Bible with me, praying with me, and, and just travelling a, a journey from a point of of insecurity and fragility uh, to regain confidence in in the God who had hold of me the whole time. Mm. So how how did you claw your way back out of that? Because that's a deep hole you're describing there. Uh, I wouldn't say that I clawed myself out in yeah. a way. I think God helped bring me out and it wasn't a straight pathway. Mm. Uh, one of the things about a regime of chemotherapy is that it, it pretty well brings you to your absolute bottom mm. uh, and and the weakness is so extreme that the nature of our physical, emotional, spiritual, everything weighing in on me, I, I was in a in a bad place on a regular basis. I, mm. I, I lived a cycle, really, where things were very difficult. And 
what I found myself doing in the midst of that, in the better times, was going back and asking some of those basic questions that I asked when I first became a Christian. Mm. I read books over again, like More Than a Carpenter by mm. Josh McDowell. I found myself kind of um, working my way through little video snippets on on the Centre for Public Christianity, evidence for history and archaeology and, and these sort of uh, things, just reminding myself that, that this isn't wishful thinking. Mm. There's no place for wishful thinking when you're on your deathbed. Uh, this is actually... Uh, Something that, that we believe that the evidence is overwhelming for and, and therefore I found myself going back and, and my faith being strengthened again by some of those reasons, some of that foundation that I'd looked at years before. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, I, we usually at this point we'd have a kind of break into a toolbox, stuff we would people find helpful on this particular topic. Are there things when you were in that place, you mentioned a couple of books there, More Than a Carpenter by um, Josh McDowell, are there things or things people did even um, that you found particularly helpful to drive you back to the truth, to remind you of who you were in Christ and to help you move forward? What, anything you recommend? Definitely. The, uh, I received texts, I received cards, I received visitors, I received emails and Facebook messages that contained scripture. Mm. And uh, sometimes I get this scripture in a text and I... I couldn't make sense of it. There was one particular one, Psalm 62. It talked about God being strong and God being loving. Mm. And I thought, what did you send me that one for? But then I thought about it. Like In my weakness here, I need a strong God if I'm to have any hope. Mm. And if God is just strong and he's not loving, then I've got no basis for confidence that he's got my best interests. Mm. Maybe he's torturing me for something that I've done. And being reminded that God is powerful and loving and that I see that supremely in the cross of Jesus, mm. very important. And I don't think I can speak too highly of just uh, opening up the word of God. Mind you, a couple of blokes came in and said, how about we read this? And then I learned it's what they're preaching on on the following week. <laughs> and uh, I thought, are you here for me or am I here for you? Uh, but when people were genuinely wanting to encourage me with God's word, that, that yeah. was very touching. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, now, I mean, you also wrote a, you wrote a book on on dealing with cancer. I know a number of people have found that uh, helpful. Yeah. Um, what, you know, why why write a book? Well, look, one of the books that I found helpful uh, was a book that had been written years before by a guy called Bob Hillman, and the book was called There Is Hope. Mm. And and Bob had cancer, and he lived with that cancer for a number of years. And God used him in a ministry to others with cancer and uh, encouraging pastors. He'd been a pastor himself. And uh, I, I was inspired by that book and helped by it. I'd say the book was about 80% stuff to do with cancer and about 20% stuff to do with hope mm. in, in the gospel. And the thing about the cancer stuff was most of it was outdated. Mm. And I thought, that book needs to be revised. And I actually contacted relatives of, of Bob, um, some close friends, in fact, uh, his daughter was looking to come and be part of the church plant in Darwin. <laughs> and uh, and there was talk about maybe doing an update or something like that. And then I thought, no, it'd be a, be a lot easier to just try and write, write one myself. Book. And uh, in doing that, I thought, no, I don't want to just write a book about cancer. And uh, I, I want to write a book about finding a hope uh, that's beyond the best thing we could hope for in mm. this life. Mm. Because... Everyone with cancer is still going to die. Mm. Even if we get a cure for cancer, I pray that we will, and there's great things happening, we've still got to recognise the fact that because of our sin, we stand before God, and this has given me a voice to give people 
uh, or at least point people to the hope that there is for all eternity mm. through Jesus. And look, it, it's been tremendous, the response. I'll tell you about it. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a plane coming from Port Macquarie down to Sydney. Mm. Um, I sat beside this woman. She asked what I was going to Sydney for. And I said, I'm going to give a talk on how to find hope in the face of a terminal illness. And at this point, she did this kind of flutter thing with her hands. Uh, her throat choked up and mm. tears started to flow. And when she composed herself, I, I asked what was going on. She said her husband had died six mm. weeks before after being diagnosed with motor neurone disease mm. five months before that. And um, anyway, we got talking and she asked me whether my circumstances had given rise to giving this talk. And I said, yeah, I, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. It's nearly seven years ago now, but I didn't expect to live. And I want people to know that there's a hope beyond. And she said, did you write a book? I said, yeah, I did. A little one, black cover? <laughs> yeah, that's, that, I, I did. She said, when my husband was diagnosed, my auntie, mm. she'd heard you speak at her church and she posted me this book. And I sat in the hospital and I read it to him. Mm. And I thought, thank you, God, for putting me in the seat beside this woman. Mm. And thank you, God, for using that resource to help this couple. Mm -hmm. And I'm delighted to hear stories like this um, again and again. Um, so the, the things that you went through, the things that you'd learn about yourself um, and the things that you saw other people do for you, obviously people in ministry, people everywhere, not everyone's going to have cancer, but everyone is going to have disappointment. Everyone is going to have those things that press in on them, uh, that make them lose hope, question why uh, they are where they are or who they are. Um, are there particular things, particularly for people in ministry, as they're dealing with disappointment, whether it's people in their church falling away, uh, whether it's... Uh, Conflict with the key leader in the church. opposition, yeah, families, you know... Breaking apart. That's right, all those kind of things. Are there things that you would bring from what you've learned in that into that situation, learnings about yourself or how we tick or about how God works with us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Derek, I'd love to say, look, I've never experienced any of those things. <laughs> uh, but the, the reality is that we, my wife and I were told very early that to expect that one of the hardest things we would ever face in ministry is conflict with our peers. Mm -hmm. and, and to this day, forget cancer, I would say that, that the biggest heartaches have been fallout with, with brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just don't understand it. You, you can't make sense of how did it end up this way? Mm. But but we expect more, I think, of our brothers and sisters. We we kind of anticipate there'll be conflict with people outside our church, but when things break down and you can't work together with someone inside the church, that's pretty painful. Mm. And uh, we need to understand that we are sinful people. We need to search hard for our contribution to these things. Uh, we, we need to do what we can to seek to reconcile, but understanding that that sometimes we just can't make that happen. Mm. You said also the, the thing about people falling away, probably the biggest heartache I've experienced in the last few years is a friend who after many years came out with an agonising, guttural cry as we met together saying, mm. I no longer believe. Mm -hmm. You could see the pain, but but he'd been challenged by you know the new atheist, uh, very intellectual kind of analysis, putting the Bible through a grid of, of scientific reason and found it came up wanting. And as a scientist, he just said, I can't believe in this anymore. And he, it was almost like he, he, he either wanted to persuade me of his view or perhaps deep down wanted me to persuade him of why he can believe. Yeah. And I just struggled with that. Mm. And I continue to pray for him, but I've not been able to answer all of his questions. Mm. And that's a challenge both to my faith 
and it's a heartache in seeing what comes uh, when people turn away and it's been hard for him, for his family, for the church. Uh, but these are the things that we, we've got to work with. It's, yeah. it's the world we're in. Mm. What, what are the regular things that you do, uh, I guess, in your week so that you actually have capacity you know, to deal with those? Because they, they are going to come. What are the, the regular weekly, monthly, yearly things that you do? Scott, you, you, you've got to be in the Word and you've got to be on your knees. Mm. There's no alternative. Um, God's the only one that can take people from hell to heaven. God's the only one that can transform a heart and mind. And, and if I'm not dependent upon God and if I'm not having my beliefs reinforced through his Word, then I, I'm going to be drifting as well. Mm. And uh, it's these times, I think, when I recognize my inability uh, as it says in uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul experienced uh, almost death itself that he might put his trust in the one who raises the dead, and mm. and, and we need to do that. Yeah. Mm. So, Maka, one thing, one thing that uh, people should take away when it comes to dealing with disappointment? We look forward to heaven. Mm. Uh, this life will be uh, fraught with all kinds of pain, suffering, mourning, death. Uh, separation, breakdown of relationships, confusion. Uh, we'll struggle with our inner demons. We'll struggle with the, the pain and conflict without, but keep our eyes fixed upon what Jesus has secured for us in all eternity, where there'll be no more pain or suffering, mm. death or dying. And uh, I, I hang on to that promise in Revelation 21. Mm. Mm. That's good. We've had a, a good time digging deeper into dealing with disappointment with uh, Dave Macker. We hope you've valued it too, but maybe there's another question or topic that you want us to tackle. Head on over to Geneva Push's Facebook page and post your question up there. Uh, we're regularly taking your feedback, and in our next few episodes, we're actually going to be answering some of those questions. So get in touch, and uh, we guarantee we're going to find uh, one practical thing to add to your knowledge on that topic. Uh, thanks for uh, being with us for another episode of The One Thing. Thanks, Mac, for being here as well, uh, the FIC conference. He's doing everything this week, and so he's, he's squeezed us in, so it's good. On our next episode, doing Asian ministry in an Anglo context. We're finally talking to Sam Chan about oh. how to embrace the different cultures that are growing up around you. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Good luck trying to get a word in. <laughs> <laughs>